Tell him right now, face to face with God. Oh, there's nothing yes better than you. There's nothing we need better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. So we know it's true. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing turns his face away and wounds which my the chosen one bring many sons to glory yeah. because of his great love for us Christ made us alive even when we were dead in transgressions so church in this moment in the midst of his presence, would you reflect on the price of his merciful grace that was poured out for you, for me? Yeah. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice. Among the scoffers, you see it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me nothing, and I know that it is
you this morning and we celebrate your finished work for us church would you be seated as we prepare to receive communion you'll find on the seat next to you a little communion packet like this if if you're unfamiliar with it let me help you a little bit it's kind of a two-part you peel back the top piece uh, and and then you'll find the bread and and then there's a second lid there and you peel back and, and you'll find the juice right underneath that. You know, in, in Israel's darkest days, the prophet Jeremiah came with a message. And his message was this. God's mercies are new every morning. God's faithfulness to give his mercy renews every day. His mercies are new every morning. And because of that, Jesus gave us this communion. He wanted us again and again, all believers everywhere, to do this together for two reasons. One is that we would be reminded of what he's done for us. That we would celebrate it and rest in it. The other reason is so that each time we need to, we could receive from him personally his grace, his mercy, his opportunity to start again. The Lord said whenever two or more of us come together, he'd be there in our midst. And he's here this morning for you. And he invites you to receive his grace, new grace, fresh grace this morning. Bible says on the night he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and he broke it, gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it was your love that carried you to the cross for us that you surrendered your rights and paid the price for our sins because you love us so much. And this morning, Jesus, humbly honoring you, we receive the gift of what you've done. We receive your finished work on the cross. We do it with thanksgiving. We do it with love and adoration. We do it with celebration. Bible says that after that, Jesus lifted up the cup to the disciples. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. I will be there in the future to meet you at your need of grace forever and ever. 
He said, take this cup and drink it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. Lord, we are grateful that you hold our tomorrows in your hand. That we, because simply our faith in you, live in the new covenant of your faithfulness. And God, we thank you that that you've revealed to us that right now you're preparing a place in eternity in the Father's house for each one of us. We worship you for that and we thank you for that. And we receive your grace fresh and new this morning together in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we continue in worship, church?
so much that we can trust you, that we can confide in you in times like this, that we can make ourselves vulnerable to you, open our hearts to the deepest, darkest places, because you are a God of healing. You are a loving Father who is always there, God. You have transformation power. We thank you for transformed hearts. Father, would you bless your people? Would you make us beacons of hope? in this world, because our hearts yearn for our communities in this season. Our hearts yearn for our nation in this season. Our hearts yearn for this broken world in this season, God. Our hearts yearn for the Middle East and Haiti. Lord, we ask for a revival fire to sweep through those nations, God, in a way that only you can. Move in a way that only you can, Jesus. It's with justice be poured out. Would peace be poured out, God? Father, we worship you. We pray to you now. You hear the cries of our heart. And we thank you for that, that you are always there, that you receive our prayer. So God, united as your church, as your sons and daughters, we proclaim the name of Jesus in this place. And we ask that your will be done and your work be done. Prepare our hearts as we perceive today's message. Father, we worship you in your presence, in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, so good to worship this amazing God united together. There's nothing like his presence. Hey, if you were here on Friday, you got to see what happens when the presence of the Lord fills the room. Am I right? Well, hey, would you turn to your neighbor and would you welcome them today? Make us feel welcome in God's house this morning as family.
give it up for the worship team. If you were here on Friday night, yes, yeah, it was this past Friday night we had a, a worship night. It was supposed to be outside, but with the weather, we brought it inside, and the Holy Spirit was here. It was an amazing time to come and connect as a church body. Uh, if you missed it, you missed out, but we're going to have more, so we'll, we'll be excited to advertise those and, and have everyone here together. I get to give a couple announcements today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tyler. I'm the online campus pastor here at MRCC. You're like, what does that mean? I get to connect with over 200 people each week who aren't attending here in person with us. They're spread all across the country. We had a lady here uh, online in second service uh, who is from Indiana. And it's just really exciting to be able to connect with people uh, who aren't here and just bring the word of God to them throughout the week. Um, and in person, or no, excuse me, not in person, and on Sundays. Um, so I get to give a couple announcements today. One is uh, we have a short-term mission trip coming up this Christmas. We're leaving December 26th to Belize. If you want more information on that, uh, Pete and Donna, who are in charge of our missions team, they're outside. There's applications, and there's more information at a table out there. We would love to have you connect uh, with them if you're interested in that. This Friday night, we have uh, our last family movie night for the summer. It's going to be at 7 p.m. It's going to be outside, I think. If not, we'll just move it inside. We just ask that you bring some chairs and some blankets. We will provide all of the snacks and candy that your kids can eat. There's a lot left over there from the last movie night, and all of us in the office have eaten a lot of it, but we will get more. It's true. I, I mean, I'm not even kidding. We have, like, vats of Skittles, and each day they just get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then we keep getting bigger, so it all works out. Uh, if you got the email in the text message yesterday regarding our picnic, uh, we have partnered with the city to have a, a picnic for the community. Uh, the mayor reached out and asked us if we would connect and collaborate with them on a community-wide picnic that is going to be September 12th. It's going to be at the Expo Center at the fairgrounds. Um, but if you didn't get that email or that text message, one way that you can connect with us is if you take your phone out right now, there is an open up the camera app. There's a sticker in the seat back in front of you. If you just scan that, it gives you an opportunity to connect with us, update your information, join a team, or join a group. We would love to just get to know you on another level. We won't sell your information or anything like that. We just want to get connected with you. If you guys could open up your Bibles today to Luke chapter 12, Pastor Bray, Greg is going to be bringing the word. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Um, you know, when he says take out your phone and scan the barcode on the seat in front of you, anybody remember overhead projectors and <laughs> pencils and stuff from back in the day? Some of you don't. A pencil is a little, well, I'll get it, go to that another time, but uh, it's amazing. Uh, how useful that tool is. So anytime you want to get connected, you can just take a picture of that barcode on the seat in front of you, connect to the calendars and all the things that are happening here on MRCC. makes it really easy. Hey, hey, friends, it's great to be with you again, much stronger than I was last week. I have to tell you, I went home last week and crashed for about three hours, but a bunch of folks have asked how I'm doing. I'm doing great, doing awesome. We need to remain in prayer for our sister, Carolyn. 
Carolyn Harding. She was in the hospital three times this last week. Uh, she was home again this weekend. I talked with Dave this morning, and uh, she seems to be progressing through this, but she's really in a battle uh, with COVID. And, and I'm sure there are others that we haven't heard about yet. It pains my heart to think that. But let's, let's pray together for those who are battling with sickness. And then I need to share with you something about us and our local hospital, us as a church and our local hospital. So we'll talk about that. But let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning, lifting up our sister Carolyn to you again. And all those who are wrestling with this awful sickness in this time, God, we pray for your healing power to touch them. God, whatever avenue you use, medicine or a miracle, God, we welcome it. We pray that you would touch Carolyn and touch those who are sick and battling this morning all throughout our church, all throughout our community, Father. We pray for healing. And, and we pray for even more than healing in our body, God. We pray for our land whose spirit is in strife and discord. God, we offer our repentance this morning. We confess that as a, a, a nation, we have been wicked in so many ways. And we confess because you said that when we confess, you pour out your grace, you heal our land, you restore us. And that's what we pray for this morning, God. And then, Lord, we lift up our time together the next 20 minutes or so as we open your word. Help us to hear you, Lord, your still, small voice that speaks to our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, we pray as we open your word together, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to share something personal, gang, before we get into God's word this morning, and probably many of you are aware how uh, tired and worn out our medical professionals are uh, in our hospitals. Uh, I remember the day that, that I was in the hospital with COVID. My doctor told me that that I was the 25th COVID patient he had ministered to that day. And I talked to a number of our nurses in our fellowship, and they said it's real. People are exhausted in our hospitals. Our medical professionals are. And so as I was praying about that, God inspired me on Friday to do something. I called up our local hospital, and I uh, communicated this as well through all of the nurses that are part of our church, many of the nurses that are part of our church, to communicate to the leadership. And I said, hey, St. Elizabeth, if there's any way that MRCC can help during this time, that we can serve you as you serve us, we, we stand ready. If you need floors swept, if you need garbages taken out, if you need bathrooms cleaned, if those kinds of things will help your medical staff, we want to help. And so they said, well, we're going to look at that. We'll get back to you the early part of next week. So there's a possibility. Uh, I want to prepare you, and I want to ask you to be willing to receive. There's a possibility that, that we may contact you and say, hey, is there an hour or two in the next couple of weeks that you could go spend serving our medical professionals at the hospital? This is a powerful way to show Jesus to our community. So as I hear back from them, you know, we'll be in touch with you. Another reason to grab your phone and connect uh, to the church's app, the website, and all that kind of stuff so that we can get in touch with you. And as you're able to serve together, we can really encourage our nurses and doctors. And they need it, and they deserve it. And so uh, just be aware of that, that we're, we're taking that step as a church, and that's what I feel like Jesus would have us do. So be aware of that. Grab your Bible and open it to Luke chapter 12 this morning. And let me talk with us this morning. Let me invite you to let God talk with you this morning about a subject that's often uncomfortable for us. So much so that, that we, we often avoid it. But 
God spoke to me so clearly this week. He said, Greg, this is the word for this Sunday for my people. God wants to talk to us about the fear of God, a subject wildly misunderstood and one about which God's word has a lot to say. Maybe you fear the very subject of the fear of God. Well, this morning, God wants to speak to your heart. But, you know, most of us assume, because of the, the myths of our subculture, most of us assume that God's agenda for us is to become utterly fearless, to fear nothing. The problem is that's not what his word says. That's not what he says. Most people assume absolute fearlessness is a good thing, but what if it isn't? What if the ability to sense danger isn't a curse, but a blessing that God gives to us? For example, when your wife says to you, honey, do whatever you want. If you're wise, you sense danger in that moment. You begin to think twice about what you're doing. Ladies, if your husband comes to you and says, we don't need a professional, I'm going to fix this myself. You feel fear in that moment. You feel uncertainty. Imagine what real fearlessness could do to you. Imagine how dangerous this myth of fearlessness could actually be. I love the old story. I've told it before, true story, about a Florida high school football quarterback. Their team was about to win the game. There was only time left for one play. They were up six to nothing and on the other team's five-yard line. And so the coach called the timeout, called the quarterback over, said, hey, just snap the ball, kneel down, let the clock run out. They don't have any timeouts, game over. We don't need to put any more points on them. It's disrespectful. The young man ran back into the huddle and being a young man, he said to the team, hey, coach wants us to just snap the ball and kneel down. But guys, the end zone's right there. What do you say we call an audible? So he called an audible, a pass play for a touchdown. And as the play unfolded, you know what's going to happen. He throws an interception. And the guy that picked the ball off takes off for the other end zone. Quarterback takes off after him. The chase runs the length of the field. Just a few yards from the opposite end zone, the quarterback catches the corner, tackles him, saves the day, game over. The team wins. Afterwards, the two coaches meet at midfield. Coach of the losing team says, wow, that was pretty spectacular. I thought for sure we had you. When our guy picked it off, you got to realize that cornerback for our team, he's the state 100 meters champion. I thought there's no way your quarterback's ever going to catch him. And the winning coach said, well, <laughs> you know, your guy was running for a touchdown. My guy was running for his life. <laughs> there's a time when fear is a good thing. <laughs> there's a time when fear can help us. And the reality, friends, is that fearlessness is incredibly dangerous and not what God teaches us. We're going to hear Jesus talk about that in Luke chapter 12 in just a moment. But fear can make us, fearlessness can make us fools. In October of 2009, a 37-year-old Alabama woman was pulled over on the freeway because other drivers noticed as she went by a large cardboard box on the roof of her minivan with a child inside of it. She's on the freeway. When police pulled her over, she said the box, she needed it for moving. It wouldn't fit in the van, so she put it on the roof and had her daughter sit inside of it to keep it from blowing away. When the police said, 
don't you think that's unsafe? She said, no, I tied it down with a coat hanger. It's not going anywhere. Friends, fearlessness can make a fool out of you. She was arrested and went to jail for child endangerment, and rightly so. Fearlessness can make a fool out of you. In an even more serious note, probably you, like me, watch the images on the news of people climbing onto the outside of a military cargo airplane at Kabul airport. We know at least one confirmed lost their life falling off the plane as it took off. The fear is as many as seven people lost their lives in that moment. Now, I understand the fear of man. I understand the fear of the Taliban. But clinging to the outside of the plane is certain death. And yet... Some people chose it because their, 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 their fear overwhelmed them. Fearlessness can make us fools. Too much fear can make us fools. Fear of the wrong things can make us fools. Jesus wants to speak to us about that this morning. Uh, gang, our Father God doesn't want you and me to be immune to fear, but he wants us to know who to fear and why and how and when and to know the difference between good fear and bad fear. And that's what Jesus is thinking of in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 4, when he says this. Listen to it. He says, I tell you, my friends, speaking to us as his own, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and afterwards can do no more. Don't let your life be governed by the fear of man. What's the worst another man, person can do to you? Take your life. And you go to heaven to live with God in a mortal body forever. Not a bad deal. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you, catch this, whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. And then in case we miss the point, yes, I tell you, fear him. In case somebody said, well, well we're not supposed to fear God, Jesus triples down on his warning. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, many, lots of people misunderstand what Jesus is saying here. And they misunderstand to the point that they try to ignore it or pretend he didn't say it. Some think of that great promise in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, where the Bible says there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And they grab that verse and separate it from all the rest of Scripture and elevate it as if this is all God is saying, thereby misunderstanding what God is saying in that moment. The context of 1 John 4.18 is relationship. God says, don't fear that you'll be rejected by him once you've received Christ as your Savior. It's that fear that's to be driven out. Not all fear of every kind. The idea isn't that perfect love drives out all fear, including the fear of reverence, but that it drives out the terror. And, and here's the idea, gang. God isn't to be feared because he's unpredictable and capricious. We don't fear him just because he's powerful. We fear him because he's good. And the good guy is always in the end to be feared more than the bad guy. Because when the good guy is roused, there's unique power on his side. To understand the tone of what God is saying here, I think back to when our son was about four years old and we lived on a busy street, the, the street on one side of our house, very, very busy street, and there was kind of a big shared play area outside there. And 
I wanted, we wanted Isaiah to be able to go out there and play with the other kids and to have a great time. We also were aware of the danger represented by that busy street. So when he would go out to play, every single time, I would have this talk with him, son, do not leave the yard. Do not go into the street. If your ball goes into the street, come get me. If something else goes into the street, come get me. You are not to go into the street. And if you do, I will paddle your little fanny like it's never been paddled before. And I cultivated in him, catch this, a fear of me for his good. I didn't cultivate that fear because I don't love him. I cultivated that fear because I do. Because he's a child and I'm an adult. Because he's mine and I'm his father. And so I cultivated in him a, not a terror, but a genuine fear of me. It's that that Jesus is talking about in this passage. It's that that he wants us as his friends, as his own, to feel. The idea here is that there is a good fear, a healthy fear, alongside the bad and the unhealthy fear. And just as an aside, gang, this is why it's so important to set ourselves to hear everything God says in his word. Don't grab a verse here and there, slap it on your fridge and call it done. The Bible is meant to be a lifelong dialogue between you and me and God. And it's over the course of time that we hear him more completely and more fully and more deeply. The devil came to Jesus and quoted the Bible. And he quoted it accurately, verbatim, at least from a technical standpoint, but he quoted it completely out of context and separated from the rest. And Jesus always said, yes, but it also says, in order to correct the idea. We need to do that with the fear of God here. The, the fact is that, that God, in his word, repeatedly tells you and me that we should fear him. Let me just share a few examples. I could share dozens. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, fear God. And keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Wow. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the scripture says that, catch this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to get smart? You want to get wise? You want to learn the truth? You want to be in touch with it? Begin with the fear of the Lord. From it flows real knowledge. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 tells us to work out our salvation, catch this, with fear and trembling. Not to treat it as a, an entitlement, not to relate to it as, I signed all my paperwork at the Billy Graham Crusade in 1986, I got a card in my wallet, I'm good. But work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The psalmist says, Psalm 112, verse 1, blessed is the man, the woman, who fears the Lord. And then Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, since we know, since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. And he goes on to say, we have become therefore Christ's ambassadors in the world. Why? Because we know that God is to be feared. Church, the fear of God is a powerfully healthy thing. It keeps me from saying what I shouldn't say. It keeps me from doing what I shouldn't do. It governs my rage. I get super angry, but I realize I have to answer to God. So I back off. I want to say all kinds of things, but I realize I'm being judged by every word that I speak and God is listening and that other person belongs to him and he loves that person and he says, hey, watch out. A healthy fear of me will govern your tongue. And, 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 and there's a million everyday ways in which this works itself out. 
You see, gang, the, the, the fact of the matter is that we don't get to know God by avoiding the hard things he says, but by listening to them and seeking to understand them. Now, Jesus, lest we misunderstand, gives that strong warning we read in verses 4 and 5, but listen to the very next two verses. Listen to what he says next. You know, here is Father Hart. Having warned us to fear him, he says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Indeed, the very head, uh, 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 hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You see what Jesus is doing? He's saying, it's because you're so valuable to me that I'm warning you. I'm speaking to you with a father heart. You may see, think you're really hung up about your kids, and I hope you are and you should be, but you've never counted every hair on their head. God's counted every one on your head. He knows them all. And so we understand that what Jesus is saying is that this fear of God thing is a father-hearted thing. And in the same way that I wanted my four-year-old son to have a fear of me that would keep him safe, God wants us to have a healthy fear of him that would keep us safe. The fact of the matter is that the fear of God doesn't only keep us from doing what's wrong. It also enables us to do what's right. It gives us the courage to be brave and good, chaste, honest, and all the rest. Any soldier will tell you that there's no such thing as fearlessness. <laughs> Everybody's afraid. You go out on the battlefield, you place yourself in harm's way, everybody's afraid. But what we're more afraid of is letting each other down. And so we do what has to be done, not because we're fearless, but because our fear is in its proper place. Moses talked about this when he spoke to Israel coming through the desert on the way to the promised land. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, he stood up and said to the, the Israelites as the Ten Commandments were given, he said, the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. You know what the danger in our world, do you know why our world is degenerating in so many ways into violence and outrage and all the rest, bitterness, strife, all that? It's because people have lost their fear of God. They think they can get away with saying and doing whatever they want. They will find out that's not the case because when God comes in his judgment and people are separated eternally between heaven and hell, they will discover the truth that their behavior was reprehensible to a holy and good Father God. We're meant to feel that because it helps us be our best. And it, and it doesn't just do it in big ways. It does it in little tiny everyday ways. Can, can I tell you a story? When we lived in Coeur d'Alene, uh, our, our driveway was on a narrow street. Um, we were in a housing development, and some of the streets were narrow. That one happened to be narrow. And so as a consequence, getting out of the driveway, if somebody was parked on the opposite curb, was difficult. <laughs> Very hard, especially I had a big old pickup, and getting it out of the driveway was a difficult thing to do if somebody was parked on that other curb, you back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, any thoughtful person could see that and wouldn't park there. But there was a guy on our street that, for whatever reason, young guy, was always parking his giant four-wheel drive truck right there. So after a few times of battling, getting out, I just went down real nice. Hey, buddy, check it out, man. Uh, that's our driveway. I gotta, we got to be able to, can you just park, you know, one car length down so you won't be behind the driveway? We can get out. It'll be awesome. You'll still be on the curb. It's no big deal. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. But he didn't. <laughs> he just kept parking it there. I think sometimes he remembered, sometimes he didn't because once in a while. Well, it, it was a hassle. So we get into the wintertime. Now there's snow and ice everywhere. 
And when I pull out of my driveway, sometimes I slide a little. So I, I went down and I said, hey, man, gosh, can you just be, especially with the snow and the ice, just park one car length down so that I don't back into you. I'd hate to damage your truck or, or somebody else, you know, pull out. and Yeah, yeah I, I will. But he didn't. I can't. So inevitably, there came that early, cold, dark morning when it was snowing and icy, and I pulled out of my driveway, and I was doing everything I could, but my truck slid, I slid into his, my bumper went into his door, put a giant dent in it. I got out, I looked at that, and I got to tell you, gang, everything in me wanted to drive away and not say a word. <laughs> How many times had I told him? How many times had I warned him? How many times had we talked about this? And yet he's still parking there. And if I drive away, nobody will ever know. It's dark, it's snowing, nobody saw it. I can drive away and nobody will ever know. At least that's what the devil was saying to me. But there was this other voice that says, Greg, your father's watching. And I know it's going to cost you money. And I know it's going to be a problem for your insurance. But your father's watching. Don't forget that. So I went back in the house and got a note and wrote it all out and put it on there. I was nice. I wasn't... You know, I said, call me and we can take care of this. And so the next day, he called me. And I could tell when we talked that he was being self-conscious. He knew, you know, this shouldn't have happened and it was his fault, blah, 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 blah. Didn't mean he wasn't going to let my insurance fix it. But we had that conversation there. And then we met and talked about how to handle this. And during the course of that meeting, you know, we started to kind of connect a little more. And he says, so, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm the pastor at Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> you know. But then we got done with our business. And at the very end, he said this. Hey, could I come to your church sometime? Yeah, of course you can. You're more than welcome. Now listen, if it wasn't for the fear of God, that doesn't happen because I drive away. <laughs> but the fear of God makes us our best selves. And God uses that. And so he wants us to feel that. Church, the danger isn't that we might fear God too much. The danger is that we won't fear sin enough. And it is the fear of God that comes to help us with that. Every addict knows this sad lesson. They choose to reject God's warnings and they end up living with a monster far worse than denying themselves. And that's the inability to deny themselves. If you can't say no to yourself, you're in a kind of pre-hell. And the fear of God delivers us from that and enables us to rise above it. Let's turn into the home stretch here. When Moses was delivering the Ten Commandments to Israel, another part of that same story in Deuteronomy chapter 10, listen to what he said. Hear the father heart here. He says, and now, O Israel... What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God for your own good? Circle that phrase, for your own good, because that's God's heart. He knows that a healthy fear of him blesses us, enables us to avoid danger, and enables us to be our best self. Let me tell you another personal story, if I can. When I was in fourth grade, there was a new program that the police department in my hometown, Eugene, Oregon, started to do, and it was the D.A.R.E. program. I think we were one of the first police programs to do this back in the 70s. And so I'm a fourth grader. A police officer comes to the school. Woo, that never happened before, right? And, and I remember sitting there in that class and listening to him. And I, I, this moment has lived my entire life. I'm almost 60 years old now, and it's like it was yesterday. 
And in the class, he, he talked to us about how if you take drugs, if you use drugs, it'll make you dumb. It'll make you stupid. It'll impair your ability to think. That got my attention. Now, when I share the story with my wife, she said, well, what was it that made you dumb? And that's a story for another time. But, <laughs> but in this moment, it terrified me. It terrified. I remember sitting there and going, oh, I don't want to be dumb. That's the worst thing ever. And gang, that 20 minutes as a fourth grader had such a profound effect on me. And I, I, don't, I only say this to illustrate a point. That I grew up in an unchurched home. I went to a public high school. I was around drugs 24-7 as a teenager. And to this day, I have never once used anything. Not because I was virtuous, because I was scared, because I was afraid. Now, you know, I was stupid enough to use alcohol. That's a drug, so we can, you know, it's not like it solved everything. But that fear is something I am so thankful for, even to this day. God wants you to have that kind of thankfulness, that kind of freedom, that kind of joy. And it comes from allowing yourself to fear God. You know, the beautiful thing, I love what Oswald Chambers he says uh, th that also this fear of God does for us. He says the remarkable thing about the fear of God is that when you fear him, you fear nothing else. And that's the way it should be. The fear of God isn't terror. It's a for a seriously holy and loving father. We don't fear him because he's capricious or powerful. We fear him because he's good. And the nature of good men is to always be more dangerous than bad. You know, I like to use this illustration. Maybe you've heard me say this before, but uh, when we think about God, kind of the culture tends to think about a, a happy old grandpa Santa Claus figure who winks at us all the time and hugs us. It's an inaccurate picture. It's not biblical. A better picture of God in our world is a sheriff in an old western. Jimmy Stewart, maybe, for those of you of a certain age. He's the greatest guy in the world. He's just an aw shucks fellow you want to have over for a barbecue, unless you're the bad guy. Then he's the most dangerous guy in town. And it's that fear that God calls us to. It's that fear that Jesus calls us to. And as I said a moment ago, let's finish two stories and we're done. It's that fear that not only keeps us from becoming our worst selves, but gives us the courage to be our best. Let me share a story with you. First, Jesus emphasized the reality of this fear, particularly as it has to do with what we say and don't say. In Matthew chapter 12, the Lord put it this way, I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken or posted or texted or communicated. Men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. The fear of God will enable us to get control of the rudder of our life, which the Bible tells us is our tongue. The sooner you let the fear of God govern your tongue, the sooner you enter into the blessing of the fear of God. And like I said, it keeps us from being our worst selves. It helps us be our best selves. Two stories and we're done. It keeps us from being our worst selves. Maybe you remember Valentine's Day, February 14th, 
of 2018. If you don't, let me help you out. That was the day that a shooter entered Stoneman Elementary School. And over the next couple of hours, shot and killed 17 children. Now, the horror of that subject for another time. This morning, I want to help you remember an armed security officer by the name of Scott Peterson, who was there in the school when the shooting began, who had a weapon, but who, because of his fear, hid around the corner in a breezeway while a gunman took the lives of 17 children. Afterwards, Scott Peterson was prosecuted as, well, he should be. But what was happening in that moment was that he was more afraid for himself than he was afraid of God. What God would have had in that moment was that he would be more afraid of not doing what he was supposed to do than of losing his own life. Had that been the case, we might be talking about Scott Peterson as a hero. That's what the fear of God can do for us. It helps us be who we should be, our best selves. And that's where my other story comes in. In November of 2005, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram told the story of a, a taxicab driver by the name of Haider Siddiqui. He was a poor man, barely making ends meet with two children and a pregnant wife, busy as a taxicab driver, so much so that he didn't give much thought to the pouch that one of his uh, passengers left in the rear seat of the cab one afternoon. He just grabbed it, threw it in the glove box, and went on to his next fare. But when lunchtime came around, him and another cabbie got together and started talking. He remembered the pouch in the glove box. He pulled it out, and lo and behold, inside that pouch were more than 100 cut diamonds worth more than $350,000. Left in his glove box by a man he didn't know, man he'd never seen before, didn't know how he could ever see again. What did Mr. Siddiqui do in that moment? Well, I know what I would think about doing in that moment. Maybe you would think about it as well. Mr. Siddiqui didn't. Instead, he he rummaged through the car until he found a, a cell phone bill the man had dropped. He was able to work with the cell phone company to track him down to find the passenger who'd left those diamonds in the back seat. And then he drove all the way across town to the airport to meet the man so that he didn't even have to change his flight and return the diamonds to him. As a consequence, the man lost nothing. And Mr. Siddiqui, according to a reporter, gained nothing. But when the reporter asked him whether he was tempted to keep the diamonds, he said immediately, Without hesitation, no, never. The reporter said, wow, why not? Why didn't you even think about it? Mr. Siddiqui said, because God is always watching. He's always watching. So why would I do that, knowing God is always watching? You see, friends, the fear of God will bless us. It will set us free. It will make us our best selves. It will keep us from being our worst selves. And God wants his friends, his sons and daughters, you and me, to feel that. Because it's a blessing. Because it's a blessing. Personal story before we close. I was in the Marines. We were at a firing range. We go there often for firing exercises. And 
uh, at the range, you'd have a bunch of guys shooting, gals, and then down at the other end, you'd have the targets. A certain number of you would work down on the target end, taking down the targets, marking them, scoring them. And one of the assignments on that end is to make sure that before the all-clear signal to begin firing was given, that everybody was out of the line of fire. 20, 25 guys down there working the targets. Well, it just so happened one day that that was my responsibility. And so for two hours, I had to make sure that before that light went on, that let guys know they could start shooting, that everybody had gotten out of the range, put the targets away, and were in cover in the bunker. I can't tell you how seriously I took that. Even more so, because earlier in our training cycle, a man had been shot and killed on the firing range. And I was determined that wasn't going to happen in those two hours when I was there. So I was yelling at guys, I was barking, I was making sure before that light went on. In the same spirit, the Apostle Paul says, because we know what it is to fear God, we try to persuade men. And the fear of God will rekindle your concern about your coworker, your family member, your neighbor, your friend who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. The fear of God will cause you to pray for them. The fear of God will cause you to reach out to them. The fear of God will help you be Christ's ambassador. And there is no higher calling. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. God, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for speaking to us with the Father's heart and calling us to the fear of God. Lord, help us to receive that, the blessing that it is for our own good. Not the terror of you, but the healthy and real fear of you that makes us our best selves. We ask that you plant that in our spirits and send us out into the world like that cab driver. And we ask it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. As the hospital gets back to us this week, if there's something we can do to bless and serve our medical staff, we'll be in touch with you. And as you are able, you can be part of that. And God will work through us. Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week. Go with God. Tell someone you love him. Have a great afternoon.